You know, in front of you in the uh, pew ranks, we have a little card, and I don't want to ever, ever minimize this card. Uh, It's called the East Side Connection Card. And on the back side of that, or front side, whichever one you want to call the front and back, there's a prayer request. Maybe you have a prayer need, a prayer request. Uh, And you can check on here, pastoral staff only, and that's where it will stay. And if you don't check that, I'll have it with me, and uh, every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, we gather the entire staff of Eastside together. It's about 40 of us, 30 or 40 of us together, and we pray over these. And very intensive time of prayer, folks. And so I want you to make sure you, these will always be in the front and as well. And our guests this morning, too, we have a little connection card. If you'll give us some information, you can just give that to me. We'd like to know that just to be able to be with you and be able to minister to you as well. But especially y'all, for our, for all of you in particular, that prayer card and prayer request, don't forget it. Also, the outline is back and printed just a few of those. If you like it, uh, they're on uh, the table to my right, your left, and they'll be back there on the foyer for you if you'd like to pick them up on Sundays. We're not going to give them out with the bulletin per se, but they'll be out there for you each week. And it'll be very simple. If that's something that will help you and you can use then it's there for you It's well, and I thank God for you. Folks, we are, are a very vital part of a God thing with our union with Eastside Baptist Church. And, and now with calling a Pastor John Hull, Dr. John Hull is our lead pastor. Uh, 2016, folks, is going to be, I am convinced, one of the greatest years or the best year ever in ministry. We're wishing that to those around us through our marquee, but we're believing that in our hearts as a church family for what God's going to do right here. And when I say right here, within all three of what campuses of Eastside Baptist Church, with the combined years of legacy of Olive Springs, of Eastside, and then the old Welcome All, our Smyrna campus, I believe we sit on the precipice, folks, of some exciting, exciting things happening. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. It's going to take commitment that you all have already shown. It's going to take patience and involvement. But most of all, it's going to take prayer. We're in that transition now. And and as I've said, thank you all for how and what you're doing. Uh, this is new for me. Steve Reed has done this quite a few times and knows exactly not only what to do, but how to do it and how to do things quite well, to say the least. And, but I've known of the legacy model of the North American Mission Board for a long time, but 
as the first time for me to ever participate as a teaching pastor. I'll just be honest with you, it's, it's exciting. And I guess, too, I can see outside the box in terms of where the total campus, because I get a chance to sit down with, with John Hull quite a bit and the entire staff, and we're seeing God, we've watched God orchestrate little things that only God could have done. You know, our prayer was, God, would you do something here that no man could ever take credit for? And, y'all, we're seeing that happen in front of our eyes. I wish I could take hours and tell you the little things that have taken place that other than my wife, none of you in this sanctuary and worship center know that have happened. And as a result, God has putting together And he's orchestrating. That's just the best word. All the instruments are playing the same tune here, you know. And they're working together at it. They're they're making beautiful music. We talked about, and one of my heartfelt desires, and I stand here not only as pastor, but as a kid that grew up in this church, was to continue the legacy of what Olive Springs has stood for for 135 years. And I see that out there. I see that legacy being there. But, folks, I believe, at least for me, God is calling me as pastor, teaching pastor, minister, friend, to challenge us all to get on our knees like we've never, ever done before. Now, I'm preaching to the choir. You folks here this morning, every one of you are praying people. But you know, Charles Spurgeon said one time, if I can find one man on the face of this earth that would be completely, totally dedicated to God in every way, lock, stock, and barrel, I wish that man could be me, talking about Charles Spurgeon. Great evangelist, great preacher. Folks, perhaps at the end of this year, what can be said about all of us sitting right here this morning is that we were a praying bunch like we've never prayed before. Dr. Hall wants to train some of you to be part of his TV production called 100 Huntley Street in the prayer line. And if you haven't seen that, I encourage you to go online to 100, it's the number 100, 100 Huntley, not street here, but that's the name of the program, but the the show, but 100 Huntley You can watch full episodes of that, and you can get an idea of what I'm talking about, the prayer line. This prayer line will be done from the comfort of your own home. And he will be training some of you that would like to do that. So many have said, Randy, I can't go out and visit. I can't do this. I can't do that. But, folks, you can sit on your telephone and a 1-800 phone number come through from that prayer line from literally all over this country And perhaps this world, and you can pray with someone. Can you imagine that excitement? You're sitting in your living room, and you're praying with someone clear across the country for a specific need they had. Technology is not all bad. Remember? It is good. And Dr. Hull wants to train you. It's like I say, folks, I could tell you so much more, but for all that to take place, we're going to have to turn to intentional prayer more than we ever have in our life. 
I look at the stats outside of us here, where we are within a three-mile ring. Eighty-five percent of those living around us have no relationship with Jesus Christ. The task is insurmountable. No person can do this stuff alone. But together, as we seek God, God's already shown us we can do the impossible. But it's prayer. Turning to, I call it gut-level Commission. I'm talking about war room praying. And if you've seen the movie War Room, you know what I'm talking about. We're all going to have to set up war rooms in our homes. And I'm going to show you how to do that on Wednesday night. And together, me too, I hope you will join me and Connie and set up prayer room, war rooms in our home. A specific place in your house that is your war room where you can put specific prayer requests and needs on the wall right in front of you. Completely, totally, and praying like that's the type of praying I'm talking about. In 1968... A jet bound from New York to Atlanta experienced something none of the passengers would ever forget. The flight started out routine and uneventful, and descending into New York, the pilot realized that the landing gear would not engage. He worked the controls back and forth. He tried again and again to make the gear lock down in place, but no success. Then he called to the tower and radioed the tower for instructions regarding on which runway to land. And responding to the crisis, the runway, the airport personnel sprayed the runway with foam, fire trucks and other emergency moved in position. Disaster was minutes away. The passengers were told of each maneuver as they made their final reports into LaGuardia Airport. Passengers were told to place their heads between their knees and grab their ankles just before impact. And as the man relates the story, he quotes, it was one of those, I can't believe this is happening to me experience. There were tears, quite a lot of screams, and the landing is now seconds away, and suddenly the pilot announced over the intercom, and I quote, we are beginning our final descent. At this moment, in accordance with the international aviation codes established at Geneva, it is my obligation to inform you that if you believe in God, you should commence to pray. If you remember the news, that plane landed on its belly. No one was injured, though the plane suffered extensive, extensive Damage. Now, folks, all of us in this room, we've got in crisis praying. We've got to that point. We have nothing left to do, so we pray. I'm calling on us to take it and reverse it. There will be times in our life, like that plane flight, there will be times that there are emergencies. There will be times that we do that. But I'm telling us, I'm asking us to back it up and to take our prayer life wherever it is right now. Let's move it forward and deeper. And in that prayer life, let's make sure we put these campuses that God would continue to do something in the life of this church, I'm talking about Eastside Baptist Church, that no man can ever take credit for. I hope you'll begin putting those requests on your war room wall. 
Pray for salvation. Pray for change. Pray for pray for your grandchild. Pray for your son. Pray for your daughter. Put their name up on that. I'm going to show you the movie War Room as part of this study. Don't worry if you've not seen it. But those of you that have seen it know exactly what I am talking about. And folks, i got two scriptures this morning. Very simple, very direct. That I want to talk to you about. And let me show you our first scripture reference for this morning. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. You all will recognize this. It says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great, King James says mighty, incomprehensible things you do not know. Now, that's not our focus scripture per se, but I want to center on that for about two minutes. The word call here in the Hebrew means to call out. It is the exact, almost same, well, very same word to the Greek, kaleo, which means to call. You're not just calling, hello. You're calling a specific name for a specific reason. So the Bible says, call out to me, and I'm going to show you. The Bible promises you and me that if we will call out to God specifically, I will never forget Bill Thomas. Some of my my family remembers Bill. He was my associate at the former church. Bill was close to 80 years old. We were taking Tom Rainer back to the airport, and Bill was sitting in the back seat of the car. I was driving. Tom was next to me. And, and Bill spoke up. He said, Dr. Rainer, let me ask you something. Do you believe in specific praying? And Tom Rainer, the president of Lifeway, looked to us and he looked back to Bill and he says, I believe every prayer we ought to pray ought to be specific. Pray for people by name. Pray for specific needs. I often ask people, how can I pray specifically for you? Why? God's called us for bold praying. I'm asking us to call to make bold praying. Why? Because God says, call to me, and what does he say he'll do? I will answer you. Call is the imperative. Yes. Answer is continual here. So that word call is to call with the intent to do something about it, to call by name. But that word answer is the parallel word. It means that you've got one. You can't have one without the other. You call out to God, and God has said, I am going to answer like you have never, ever known before. And I'm going to show you things that your mind cannot comprehend. How many of you, you don't have to answer this, just think about it. How many of you have prayed before, God has answered that prayer, and you look back and says, whoa, how did he do that? That's the type praying I'm talking about. So folks, understanding this verse, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make sure I answer the prayer. I want to take you to Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And that's where I'm going to camp out for just a few minutes with you. You know this verse. It's very familiar to every one of you, perhaps in this room. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on searching, and you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be opened to you. 
Now, the first thing you said, I didn't just simply say, ask, seek, or knock. Why? Because those words in the Greek are clearly in the participle. In other words, you keep on asking. You all keep on seeking. And you keep on knocking. If we are going to make 2016, and if we're going to commit ourselves to gut level praying, as Jeremiah 33.3 talks about, and Luke 11.9, there are three things that we're going to have to do, and here they are. And this morning, I just want to take you through these things and mention about three things about each one of them. The first one is asking. Number one. Asking. Now, these slides are prepared for me at the beginning of the week on Monday and Tuesday. I changed the ask because when I read back through this and I saw that, that is participle. I wanted to be sure, and it is. So you write the word asking. I know it's ask on the screen. That's not a misprint. That's right. And what does God want us to ask for? First of all, God wants us to ask for vision. Vision. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people are spread apart, are scattered apart. Proverbs 29, 18. But folks, I am not talking, now watch this. I am not talking about vision from your vision. I am talking about God's vision, the heart of God. Not your vision for east side. You ask God to show you His vision. Make sure we have the heart, the eyes, and the mind of God. The word for vision means to see. It means to perceive. It means to know. It describes more than what can be seen in the physical sense. It means to see spiritually. We've watched God over the last year and a half, two years really, began putting and put together and orchestrate what we are experiencing today as Eastside at Olive Springs. Why? The vision of God. God is at work. We work where God is working. Henry Blackaby, very pronounced in what he said. In discovering God in your life, ask God for vision. What does God want? So in asking, Lord, whatever you want, I want. Be careful. Be careful. That's a scary prayer. Because so often what we want, what God wants, is not the same. What's the old statement? Be careful what you pray for. You might get it. See, but God's calling us to step out in faith like that. And also as part of asking, not only do we ask for vision, we ask for God's wisdom. Now, let me show you something about this word wisdom. The word wisdom... Used in Scripture is the word Sophia. It's a word, it's not knowledge. Wisdom is gut level, I know. It says the Greek and the Old Testament as well and the New Testament understand the word hope. When we think of the word hope, Elpis in the Greek, we think of the word that says, I hope it will rain. Well, that's a misnomer in the Greek language because the word hope means reality. It means fact. It means it is done. It means taken care of. So when we understand wisdom, the mind, we want to have literally the mind of Christ. That's the wisdom you want. 
It's not something that may happen. It is something that is there as we call on God for it in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. But who has known the mind of the Lord that me him have instructed him, but we have the mind of Christ. Can you imagine that? You're a born-again child of God. God has put even his mind through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Now, be careful. As we said last week, Isaiah, as the Lord said to Isaiah, my ways are much higher than your ways. You can't describe, you can't understand. I think differently. Why? He is infinite. We are human, finite. So that way the two will not meet. But the infinite became the finite in a little baby, remember, in that manger. And then 33 plus years later, he went to a cross to take every sin that you and I would, would ever commit he died for in his shed blood. And he rose again on the first day of the week. And now because of an intentional invitation in your life to bring him into your life for the forgiveness of your sin, God has changed you from the inside out. And he's given you the wisdom of God to be the very mind of Christ. God hasn't given you wisdom so you can be wise. God has given you wisdom so you can have the mind of Christ. Do you see the difference? And not only, okay, ask for vision, ask for wisdom. But then there's another word, witness. Witness. Eighty-five percent of those just within a three-mile radius, and it's higher than that from the lower Roswell Road campus. But can you imagine, folks, that many people who don't know Jesus Christ. The word witness, matureo in the Greek, it's the word where we get our word martyr from. It's a witness. It's a martyr, one who's ready to do whatever it is. It is the very life of Christ. We are to witness what? What Jesus did. He came, he died, he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he sits at the right hand of his Father. That's what a witness does. And I believe God says, okay, ask, continually ask for the heart of God, continually ask for the mind of Christ, and continually ask for the life for Christ, so that your life will be lived for Him. On your war room wall, you ought to put this outline, not because I wrote it, but because that's what we need to be about in our prayer. Ask. The second thing, seeking. You can fill in the next one down there. It's knocking if you want to, but seeking. So I say keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching. And watch this. You will find. You know, the promise of all three of these is you're going to find it. Do you notice that? Do you remember when the disciples got in the boat and went to the other side of the sea? you all remember that story? And the storm came up. You ever forget what, the, remember what the, Jesus said to the disciples? Get into the boat and go to the other side. What was he telling those disciples? Get into the boat and go to the other side. Get in the boat. You're going to make it to the other side. They had no clue there was going to be a storm. God did, but he just simply said, don't worry. Get in the boat and go to the other side. 
Folks, we've got to realize when God tells you to do something, what's between here and the other side, God's got it all in control. It may be the biggest storm you've ever faced. It may be a cross. It may be, I don't know. But God's got it all in control. Why? Because we are seeking the best way to describe zeteo in the Greek. The word seek. Have y'all, when you've been on the beach or anywhere and you've seen these guys, I've always wanted to do this for some reason, with those metal detectors, you know, and they're doing this number. Now, what are they doing? Trust me, folks, they are not doing this, right? Where are their eyes? You watch the next time a person's doing one of these things on the beach. Where are their eyes at this point? They're watching exactly that meter in front of them. When it starts ticking like a Geiger counter and goes off, what are they going to do? What's the first thing they're going to do? They'll start digging because they know they've found something that may be worthless or it may not be worthless. The point, this is the word seeking. When you seek, you are looking for something. And you're feeling it now. You're doing everything it takes. Your eyes are not off that meter. When you seek for the Lord, your eyes have got to look at that meter first. Does that sound familiar? Seek what? First, the kingdom of God. And what? Everything else will take care of itself. Folks, in our seeking, there are three things. Seek the kingdom of God, period. God's kingdom has come. It is on this earth. We are part of that kingdom as the evangelical church. And now let's get out our thing. Let's go to work and zeteo and let's seek like we've never sought before. But it's a constant seeking. Not only do you seek there, you seek what? Strong faith in the second place. Seek strong faith. I'm telling you, folks, just it blows me away in prayer to pray specifically and seek the power of God. How many times have every one of you, all of us in this house, we have prayed for someone or something specific and we watched the power of God? You can testify to that. Amen. A missionary and his family were forced to camp outside on a hill because of a threat of thieves robbing the camp. And since they were carrying money, they were even more fearful that the thieves might rob them. Their strong faith in God led them to spend some serious time in prayer regarding their safety and protection. And following that time of prayer, they simply fell asleep. Now, several months later, One of the thieves that was injured that night was taken to the mission hospital. He asked the missionary if on that that special night that they had a bunch of soldiers guarding them. Remember, the missionary and his family had prayed, and now one of the thieves that literally were out to rob them ends up in the hospital, and God puts them together where he could ask the missionary, why did y'all have all those soldiers out there? And the man said, The thief, that is, said, you know, we intended to rob you. But to be honest with you, we were afraid of the 27 guards around you and your family. 
And the old missionary was somewhat puzzled with the man's response. Yet the believer knew that their prayers had been answered by God's protection. When the missionary returned to his homeland, now all this is a true story. He shared this story with the church. And one of the members stood up, called him by name, and he says, We had a prayer meeting that night right here in this room. Thousands of miles from where you and your family were. And there were just 27 of us present in the room. And those 27 prayer warriors at church that night, in their prayer, God somehow, somehow, instantaneously, Put those 27 people as guards around that family that night when they were afraid of being captured and taken. Folks, we underestimate what God can do. Amen? Who would have thought the 27 people in a prayer room or in a chapel that prayed specifically that God would make those prayers answered standing and the thieves would see 27 guards. Though there were nobody there but the family, they saw 27 guards guarding that family. Hello, talking about the power of God as we seek the face of God. That's what I'm talking about in 2016. Watch God work. Watch Him do His work. It will blow us away. The third thing is we seek. What do we do? Seek spiritual growth. God doesn't want any of us to remain where we are. I hope at the end of 2016 we can see the changes in our lives spiritually, how deeper, how how much we've grown in our spiritual walk. But, folks, that doesn't happen by osmosis. That doesn't fall from heaven. That has to be intentional on your part and my part. And then the final thing, as far as part of seeking, remember, what does he say? You'll find what you're looking for. That's the end of the story. I love that. God always gives you the end of the story. It's like coming into the movie and seeing the end first. You know, God always gives you the end of the story. You're going to win. Not only do you seek the kingdom of God first, literally not only do you seek strong faith, not only do you seek spiritual growth, remember, don't you ever forget, God's promise, you're going to reach the other side. And folks, if we could get that in our brains, we're going to win this thing what God said. It looks bleak. This world's in a mess. We're afraid to go outside our doors. People are getting shot, robbed, and mugged and everything all day. But folks, I'm going to tell you, God is on His throne and we're going to make it to the other side. And what you and I must do right now, more than ever in these days before the imminent return of Jesus, we have got to get on our face before God as a body of Christ like never before, and build our war rooms in our homes. Set up a closet. Set up a, a, a something. It may be a linen closet you don't use. It may be a, I don't know, but something that becomes your war room. Well, folks, we're at war. And I'm not talking about the Middle East. I'm talking about Satan and the demons of hell. The third thing is knocking. Keep on knocking. 
And that door will be open to you. There are three things, briefly, let me say about knocking. Number one is this. We need to take persistent and consistent action. Keep doing it and be consistent in how we do it. Don't give up. Our action must be consistent with our walk with the Lord. But don't ever quit, even when the devil wants you to give it up and throw it out the door. Don't quit. The word knock in the Greek is the word kruo, and it means to knock with authority. It doesn't mean to go up and just, just a little bit like that. God says you go up into the prayer throne room of God. You knock like that. Why? Because God's going to open that door. And it will be God that opens the door. Just like we've been praying, God continued to do something here that no man can take credit for. It. Knock, folks. Don't ever stop knocking. And God will open that door. Purposeful praying. The second thing about knocking, take intentional action. You know, I can preach this, I can say this, you can do this, you can be here. But the most important point is we leave this room and say, you know, pastor's got a point here. Maybe I do need to build or put together a room. And I say build, I'm not talking about building a separate room. I'm talking about something in your house that may be just right where you sit together. I don't know. You'll have to make that decision. But you take intentional action. Do something about it. And then in the third place, when it comes to continue knocking, take purposeful action. Knocking with a purpose. Why? Because you want to see God change this world, and you want to be just that little smidgen part of it. But God says, oh, thank God for that little smidgen, smidgen part. And then the final thing of asking, remember this, what God promised. He'll open the door. Folks, I don't know how God's going to accomplish all He's going to accomplish. I can't figure that one out. It's too big for me. But I do know one thing. After each one of these promises, each one of these actions, there is a promise. And the promise fulfills the action in 11.9 of Luke. Did you see that? Every one of them. Remember, 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 remember. One night, a nurse had an experience with a family, and I want to close with this little story, and I'm going to share it in the first person as though I'm that nurse, but I was blown away with this, and I'm thinking, you know, if we could just pray so simply, you know, God is not asking us to pray these eloquent and all, he's just asking us to get on our face before God. Folks, we're all praying for day two, day three, day four, day five, as we go throughout the year, what God wants. And we're, we're, we're making so sure we don't get ahead of God. I've done that so many times in my life. When I thought, hey, I can figure this one out better. Let's just do it this way. And I'd fall flat on my face. My prayer is we won't do that, folks. We'll take it one day at a time. 
with the prayers of God's people. And as you do this, I sure would like to hear over the next year how God has answered prayers in your life. We'd like to hear it right here in this worship time. I'd like you to share about times because I believe this could be one of the most significant events in the life of this campus at Olive Springs that we have ever, ever, ever seen. As I close, listen to this little story. Shared in the first person from a nurse's point of view. One night I had worked hard to help a mother in the labor unit of the hospital, but in, but in spite of all that we could do, she died, leaving us with a tiny premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. We would have difficulty keeping the baby alive as we had no incubator because we had no electricity where we were to run an incubator and we had no special feeding facilities. Although we lived on the equator, nights were often chilly with treacherous drafts. And one student midwife went for the box we had for such babies and, and the cotton wool the baby would be wrapped in and another went to up to stroke the fire and fill the hot water bottle. She came back shortly in distress to tell me that in filling the hot water bottle, it had burst. Rubber perishes easily in tropical climates. And it was our last hot water bottle. It was the only way to keep that baby warm. So she said, all right, put the baby as near the fire as you can. You sleep between the baby and the door. Keep it free from the draft. Your job is to keep that baby warm. That little baby lasted through the night. The following day, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with some of the orphanage children who were gathered with me, and I gave the youngsters their various suggestions of things to pray about and told them about the tiny baby, and then I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough and mentioning the hot water bottle, and the baby could so easily die if she went into chills. So I told them of the two-year-old sister crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, one ten-year-old girl named Ruth prayed with unusual blunt consciousness of those little children. Here's what she prayed. Please, God, send us a water bottle today. It'll be no good tomorrow, God. The baby will be dead. So... Better yet, will you send it this afternoon? And while you're, you're about sending the water bottle, would you send a little doll for that little girl so she'll know that you really love her? As often as with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? You know, I just didn't believe that God could do this. Oh, yes. I know he can do everything. The Bible says so. But there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending me a parcel from the homeland. I had been in Africa now for almost four years. 
And I had never, ever, ever received a parcel from home. And anyone, if, anyway, if, if anyone did send me something, who would put a hot water bottle in the box? I live on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching at the nurses' training school, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. And by the time I reached home, the car had gone, but there on the front porch was a large package. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I, I couldn't open that parcel alone. So I called the orphanage children, and together we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, taking care not to tear it. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on this large card cardboard box. And from the top, I lifted out brightly colored knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I pulled them out. There was the one knitted bandages that we needed for leprosy patients. And the children looked then a little bored, but they then came a box of mixed raisins and peanuts. And then as I put my hand in that box, I felt it. Really? I grasped it and I pulled it out. A brand new rubber hot water bottle. I started crying. I didn't ask God to send it. Matter of fact, I didn't even truly believe that he could. Ruth was in the front row of the children. She rushed forward, crying out, If God sent the bottle, He must have sent the doll, too. And so rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out that small, beautifully dressed little doll, and her eyes shone. She never doubted God. Looking up to me, she says, Can I go over with you and give this little doll to the little girl so that she'll know that Jesus loves her? That parcel had been on its way for five whole months, picked up and packed by my former Sunday school class whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting. She didn't understand why to send a water bottle and a little doll even to the equator. And it arrived in the most perfect time, just as little Ruth asked, in the afternoon, not at night, on the very same day we needed. Talking about God answering prayers for this church, He'll do it in exactly the same way. We just gotta ask, we gotta seek, and we gotta knock like this old church has never ever done before. That's what I believe. And that's what I believe is God's message for us today. Let's pray. Father, you answer prayer. There there are prayers you answer in our life every day that none of us, none of us know you answer it. Prayers of protection. Prayers of just taking care of us, of sustaining us, of the little things that... Hitting the light switch and, and lights come on. Turning on the heater and we got warmth. Lord, little things that are miracles. Food in our mouths. Clothes on our body. And now you're calling us as the body of Christ 
to turn to prayer for what you want more than we've ever done in our life. Lord, as I stand here, I believe that the days are short between now and the time when you're going to come get your church. And we don't have all the time in the world to do what you've told us to do. So, Father, I guess where we are is we're, we're faced with a decision. Do we or don't we? I pray we all will build our war rooms. I pray we all will stay on our face before God like never before. And, Lord, I know I'm preaching to the choir in this thing. These are praying folks in this room. You know that. But, Lord, intensify our prayer. Maybe it's, it's prayer, yes, for your will to be done. Maybe it's prayer for protection. Maybe it's prayer to share Christ. I, Lord, as you say, there are times we don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit intercede for us. Please, Father, intercede for us, and may that be our commitment. I love you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of being able to share this message. And thank you for your challenge to all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen.